welcome back to Enlighten Up for episode 58, Bending Time, Finding Your Edge, and 365 New Experiences with Ken Hughes. We welcome Ken to the show today, and he has a great TED Talk out about bending time. What exactly does that mean, and how did that change his life? It turned into a life experiment that lasted 365 days. What did he do exactly for that year that ended up changing the way he lives his life to this day? How his children live their life and now inspiring so many others to live their life in a completely different way? Well, it has to do something with finding your edge, taking risks, and learning how to be playful and have fun. So let's jump right into the episode and find out what Ken had to share with us. Hey everyone, welcome back to Enlighten Up. I am here with Lisa and Brian, and today we have a great guest joining the show. His name is Ken Hughes. He is an international keynote keynote speaker that is an expert in consumer psychology, social anthropology, behavioral economics, and neuromarketing. He is also a playologist and part-time professor in consumer behavior and does it all in a highly energetic manner all serve with a generous helping of Irish wit. Ken is known for his TED Talk on Time Bending, which is a motivational talk on how to stretch the time and resources you have and to look at your world differently. The central message is that by rewiring yourself to look for opportunities on a daily basis, creativity and play will surely follow. Ken, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am very good. That without kind of in, uh, lead up, I have to feel I have to be very energetic and very. Oh my God, I'm supposed to be energetic and witty. Oh my God, pressure, pressure. I am. <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm on the other side of the world. I'm in New Zealand today with a client, uh, and I'm heading to Sydney afterwards uh, to do another performance. So yeah, I'm I'm good today. It's uh, it's good to be on this side of the world. Um, and people are really friendly actually in New Zealand. Um, so yeah, I'm good. How are you today? We're, We're great. doing well over here. So Lisa and Brian, you guys met Ken a couple of months ago, right? Yeah, when we went to New York City for uh, a conference for the for the app that uh, that we're developing, we saw Ken uh, give the keynote address, and then he also did the the time bending exercise, which I'm really excited that he's going to do with our audience today. But Ken changed my life, and doesn't even know it. I'm not. Well, I, I did tell him. I did tell him, but I'm not exaggerating, and and I I mean it so fully. Um, I went. We went to New York City for for one thing. You know, one very specific reason with with the app. And after Ken's keynote address, we changed. I mean, Lisa and I both came out of there and said we need to be doing something completely. Well, not completely different, but. We need to we need to be doing something, you know, for a different for a different consumer. Um, and it's one thing that, that Ken specializes in researching uh, the Gen Z consumer. And it, it completely changed my life. And uh, and I'm, I'm in it every day now. So thank you for changing my life. You're very welcome. It sounds like I need to send you an invoice. That's what that sounds like. Yeah, I know. Right? Well, I, t- I told you I'd give you a, I told you I'd give you a point. 
So, <laughs> okay, that's, that's very nice feedback to hear. Yeah, I mean, the time bending speech on that day. Um, so, just to give your audience a little bit of a background to that, and it's a TED talk that obviously they can watch uh, if, if they feel like watching the full version anytime it's up there on, on the on the TED platform. Um, I did that talk in Cyprus actually about four years ago now. It's a long time, um, and it, it kind of came about as a, a New Year's Eve conversation about you know as you have those kind of conversations every New Year's Eve looking back on the year that went past and I, w- I was having a chat to my father about um, time and he's he was I think about 74 at the time uh, and he was talking about how quickly time seems to pass as you get older and he remembered retiring and he remembered being 60 and now he was suddenly 74 and he had no idea where those 14 years had gone and, and I was kind of laughing at him thinking man you're retired you garden all day and you're relaxed and I, i'm kind of joking with him saying surely time must drag if anything you know you have one or two things to do in the day and he was saying no no the less you do weirdly enough the faster time passes and i kind of started thinking about that idea and if that was true then surely the more you did in the day maybe just maybe you could actually kind of create more time for yourself so fell into my lap that thought uh, I was going to be turning 40 that year uh so typically midlife crisis stuff looking at your life thinking well you know what, what's am I happy through my life here now and am I happy with that and so I started thinking <coughs> excuse me I started thinking about time and about the relationship we have with time and I think time by, by its very essence for humans is kind of a thing that we use our memory for we look back on a given week or a given day and you kind of look back on the things you achieved and did that's how you gauge time. So if you go on a vacation and you spend the whole week lying at the pool and you do absolutely nothing, that seven days actually seems to tick by pretty, pretty fast and suddenly it's over and you're going home. Uh, or if you do the same week away and you spent the week on an island doing trekking and diving and all sorts of things, the memories you're creating all that time, when you go, when you think back on the holiday you've just had, it seems to be longer than seven days. You kind of think, oh my God, have we only been here for seven days? It feels like four weeks. And I think that's what happens when you create memories uh, and you pack your day. So I started thinking about this and I thought, well, okay, if there's a start and an end point to every day, and then you generally get up and you go to school or college or work and you do the same things every day and you come home and then maybe you do, I don't know, coach little league or you go to yoga or whatever. And even those things you do, they kind of, maybe you happen, they happen once a week. We end up doing the same things every day, every week, every year. And so the years slip by. And I came up with this metaphor of, I wonder when you, if you died and before you kind of passed through the white light, you actually came to in some kind of big aircraft hangar and there was rows and rows of Polaroid pictures lying on the floor and and you had two or three hours to walk along Polaroid pictures. And this was your life basically in pictures and to look at each of the things that happened on the unique days of your life to remember them, what that experience might be like. And you'd walk through your childhood pictures and you'd see the first day you went to school, the first kiss, you'd see the day you got married, the day you graduated, all these things are quite unique. And the, the picture on the image would be the thing that happened that day that never happened ever before or ever again, maybe. And so unique things that happened in your life, memories, new smile away. And, and then suddenly the pictures would start to turn black, just absolutely black. And that would be maybe be in your late twenties, thirties. And that's black because nothing unique happened that day. You didn't do anything new that day that you hadn't done before. So there was nothing to put on the picture. And I wondered if that was true. Imagine how depressing that would be as you walked past the life now finished because you're dead, uh, how you look back on your life and think, oh God, how many opportunities did I miss? And from those kind of strange, murky, live midlife crisis thoughts, <laughs> I, I, I bred a project called Time Bending. Could you bend time by doing something new every day for a whole year uh, and see how that panned out? So I, I undertook that project on the 1st of January 2014 to basically not finish any day unless I had done something new. And I meant like that I'd never, ever done before. 
and how that would feel. And, and it was easy for the first few weeks because there's lots of things that we all want to do that we kind of haven't got around to. But then it got more difficult and, and a week went by, a month went by, two months went by, and then friends started to get involved, giving me ideas. And by midnight, if I hadn't done something, I'd failed the experiment and I couldn't just do two things the next day. So about after six or eight weeks, you had invested so much in it, you didn't want to fail. And then there was this kind of curiosity that came about you everywhere you went in the world. You're looking at notice boards, thinking about well, what's going on, what could I go to, what could I do, what could I eat differently, where could I, who could I meet differently? And it changed my life completely because what you realized that you say no to loads of things in life. And when you were under pressure to achieve something new every day, you were under a certain pressure now to do whatever someone's told you to do. If they offered, do you want to come to the cinema with me? Do you want to meet these friends for dinner? Do you want... So I started doing everything that I'd said no to in the past. And you'd be amazed actually how often we say no in life. Uh, we don't record them, we don't count them, but actually probably one of every two things people ask you to do, you say no to because, oh, I don't have time today or I'll do it next week. And so I set off and I started doing everything that anyone asked me to do. So I ended up going mountain biking with a friend who had been asking me to go mountain biking with him for probably three years, but there was always a reason. And so I just dropped all those reasons and did everything. And some days I did two things and uh, yeah, I did some crazy things. And I, 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 there was one day where it got to be very close to midnight and I hadn't had time to do anything that day. And I turned to my journal where I had kept ideas. And I, I, a friend of mine challenged me to drink my own urine from a champagne flute. <laughs> that was a hard day. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, just, I, I did lots of things that, you know, uh, as someone once said to me during the year, you know, they said your bucket list isn't supposed to be things that actually might kill you. Um, but, you know, so I just kept doing everything. And, and I was the only man in the Zumba class one day. And I ended up getting a tattoo. And, and I mean, again, the tattoo was a good example. of I, I'm not really into tattoos. I have a small tattoo now, but um, that day I was went there, I had a whole 45-minute chat with the, the tattoo artist about the counterculture of tattooing and piercings. You know, just inter it pushed me into areas of my life that I had never interacted with before. I learned new skills and crafts and sports, some of which I never did again, some of which I now do still. Uh, I met you know, hundreds of new people. Um, so after about three months, my whole life changed in that I, I changed who I was. I changed my attitude to life. And gave me a huge amount of energy, and it just challenged the routine nature of life and the idea that the days slip by, the weeks slip by, the years slip by, and they will continue to slip by unless you actually reach in and bend the time you already have. So I stopped making excuses about, oh no, I've got the kids to pick up, I can't do that, or I've stopped making excuses about, oh, look, I'm too tired, or I've already got enough on. I just kept bending time. Uh, and I, not in a manic way, but just in a way that allowed me to do things that weren't part of the routine. And what I realized from that was when you step outside the box of the routine, uh, the influences that you get are many and varied, uh, and therefore the attitude to play fosters a sense of risk. The sense of risk fosters a sense of creativity and innovation. So after that, you know, after the three months, I was I literally heard a click inside of me, said yes to everything, uh, was open to everything. And unsurprisingly then, you know, lots of new relationships, friends, lots of uh, new business opportunities came my way. They didn't come my way, of course. I manifested them by just, again, being open and being energetic to what life had to offer. So I realized that we were all living lives with our heads down, really. Uh, and you have to actively reach into yourself and recode and rewire yourself if you want to see the opportunity around you. That was four years ago. Uh, so again, the TED Talk is about an 18-minute talk on that. And you can your listeners might, might watch it in their own time. Uh, four years later, I still do it. So it became not an, not an addiction, but it became a way of life where at any given opportunity, you look around you and you see, well, what is there to do, to see, to talk to? Uh, what opportunities can I have out of this situation? And um, so it definitely 
kind of from a personal development point of view, became a technique where if you do it repeatedly for about 90 or 100 days, it just becomes your attitude to life, your attitude to opportunity uh, and to foster a sense of, uh, of getting more out of every situation, every day, every week, every year. That's it. So four years later, you're still doing something new every yeah, day? Yeah, not necessarily every, every day, because that was the tr- the challenge was to do it every day. Uh, probably, I, I counted some. One, one day I kept a journal randomly, and uh, yeah, I did about eight or nine in a week. So sometimes I do two a day, and yes, I, I, I might miss sure. a day uh, on occasion. But generally, has, it has become the norm. And they, and they can be little things. People often think of, uh, you know, when you when they hear about the experiment and they hear about the, the, the task, they, they assume they have to do big things every day. That's not true. I mean, yeah, you can. I've done the naked bungee jumping and I've done all that crazy stuff. But actually, it's the small things that you challenge yourself and you look for in the new. So even even if that's as simple as going to your favorite restaurant that you always go to, but not ordering the thing that you always order, order the thing that you've never had before. Uh, and you know, it's just mm-hmm. that that attitude uh, to what is there to experience in life that I'm yet to experience. And getting away from the norm, and, and getting away from doing the same thing again and again. And a criticism often that people ask is, "Well, that sounds exhausting," you know. And, and yeah, it, it's. I'm not suggesting that you get manic and change everything in your life. I'm just suggesting that you lift your head from the routine and realize that while there's comfort in a routine, there's also danger of just kind of repeating the routine ad infinitum and not really exposing yourself to so much more that the world has to offer. I was just going to say one of my favorite things that you did was letting your, I forget if it was your daughter or your son, paint your toes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, it's a really simple and, one. Yeah, and painted them, you know, all these different colors and just the way that you described how it made you happy. You know, you forgot that your toes were painted, but when you came home and took your socks off to, you know, get ready for the night or whatever, there were your toes and it made you laugh and smile. And I just think that that's just such a simple thing to you know, reach outside the norm or outside of our comfort zone or outside of what we believe we should or shouldn't do and just do it Yeah, and just see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of my favorite examples and it's it's one of the things that upsets me that women have seem to have this monopoly <laughs> on having, paint, having painted toes. I don't, I don't know why that is. So, yeah, my daughter was painting her toes and, again, it was in the middle of this experiment and I looked at her and I thought, oh, my God, like, how did I get to be nearly 40? and never have my toes painted. And until that, that experiment, I'd watched her paint her toes. She was about six at the time, I guess. I mean, I'd watched her paint her nails for many years, but I had yet never offered my feet. And of course, I offered my feet to her. She loved it. And yes, she painted them all like, like little M&Ms, one red, one yellow, one green. And and since she did that, and again, you're right, every every day I swung, swung my legs out of bed, I'd forgotten they were painted. I'd laugh in the morning. I'd laugh in the evening going back to this bed. You know, I forgot to take them off. I was going swimming with the kids in the swimming baths. And you know, my kids thought it was hysterical. Uh, and how how easy you can get laughter and pleasure out of something so simple and and actually it's one of the things that i kept i, I would paint my toenails now uh, on a regular basis with her and that's why i often have mad colored toes and i do often always forget and i take them out in public you know in the swimming pool and it's always fun and, and you do get strange looks you know people look at you strangely and it's funny to think like they're looking at you they're obviously judging you a little bit it means nothing it's just, it's just humor thing for me um and it is quite interesting how yeah you can just challenge the norm and you can do things differently and it makes you it makes you different, it makes you feel different, it makes you laugh, and why not? You know, life is full of opportunity. Well, I think like I really love that philosophy on life. It's something that I've kind of really lived my whole life by is in really taking more risks 
than I guess we're taught by society because as a society we're taught to play it safe. You know, we're taught to uh, not get too crazy uh, because you know we're taught that when you come out of college, you get a job, and then you meet someone, you may get married, and you got to start a family, and there's all these responsibilities that come on your shoulders, and um, it it can it can take you down the very uh, common path that most people go down and you don't like you said when you start doing something differently uh you do open yourself up to new opportunities it was something that I always found so interesting when I was 29 I just decided one day to quit my job leave the country and move to the Cayman Islands because it was something I'd always wanted to do was live in the Caribbean and I didn't really think much of it. I just decided one day to do it and it was done. And I, before I knew it, I was on my way down there. And when I had um, clients asking me what brought me down there, I just said, I just decided one day to move. And they said, well, did you know anyone down here? And I said, no, I didn't know anyone. They're like, it's so brave of you. And I just couldn't understand how people thought that was so brave. Like I, and, but it started to dawn on me how how little we allow ourselves to color outside the lines of life that we're taught to live. Yeah. No, I had that same experience when I lived in China, people would, you know, be surprised about my story about why I was living in China and they would say, well, how brave of you. And I think I had the same reaction you did is like, it doesn't seem brave of me, but when you look at it from their perspective, it's something they would never be able to do so then they just were like wow i can't believe anyone could make that decision but for you and i nicole it was easy and i think this you know it really ties into what we talk a lot about on this podcast just opening yourself up to new things it could just be you know breaking the habit of maybe you don't eat the best foods or you want to you know be healthier and just trying it, just saying, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to give it up. I'm going to go outside my comfort zone, or I'm not going to shop at the same grocery store. I'm going to try something else. And I just, I think it's, it's so important to, to open yourself up to new things. I think to get back to your opening point about risk, Nicole, um, I think risk is one of those things that society has definitely uh, tried to get rid of. So we live in a nice structured way. Everyone, as you said, there's there's a, there's an assembly line that you join probably the education system probably is a lot to answer for, I guess, really. So you, you, you get fed into that early and you're told then you have to perform in a certain way to go through the various gates that there are, you know, and to get out the other side of college to get the job and to get the house and, and, and you drift on that assembly line and you can, that goes on and then you die. Yeah. What do you do? Um, <laughs> so that, that's the, the pattern that most of us are given to, to live in. And, and we can't be all outside the pattern, by the way, there'd be chaos. Um, but really you have to look at then, as a child, play is a natural way of, of understanding the environment and pushing boundaries. So when kids play, they play from the heart and they play in a way that is really interesting to explore the world around them, to learn about relationships and, and to learn about risk. So if you give a kid any object or put them in a playground, they will do things you don't expect them to do with the object you've given them or the, the, the tools of the playground you've given them. They'll, they'll come up with new ways of doing it. Uh, and that's them using risk. I mean, you all, I don't know whether you have kids or not, or you've certainly seen them. They'll climb on top of the climbing frame, they'll stand there and you think, oh my God, they're going to kill themselves. Um, and that's them pushing the boundary and seeing it. And so play has a function. Play as a function of exploration of the self and of the environment. 
And then very early on, we teach kids not to play in that free way, but to play in our way that we are comfortable with. So that's society taking them and squeezing the, the creativity out of them. So for instance, playing music is a good example. We, we, we use it in the English language to play music. But really, if you give a four-year-old a guitar, they'll hammer the crap out of it and they'll have great fun. But then we tell them, no, no, that's not the way you do it. This is the way you do it. These are the chords. These are the sounds we need you to make. These are the notes we need you to follow. That's how you play music. Or if you give them a stick and a ball, they'll go crazy. No, no, that's not the way you, you play baseball. This is the way you play baseball. These are the rules. So again, in, in playing sport, we put rules on them. In playing music, we put rules on them. Uh, even if you go to see a play, a play of theatre, there are rules. You know, you can't come on the stage. You must listen and sit there. And so we give society gives all these rules to play which really undermines the whole point of play. The whole point of play is you play for the sake of play and it's in itself. And from that play will come something. It'll come a, a new way of looking at the world, a new role for you, a new relationship to the, to the self. And that's what I found in that year. I kept playing a lot. A lot of the stuff I was doing was very playful. Uh, I was, I was uh, always kind of a bit, a bit cheeky. It was definitely a year of mischief. And, and from that became an attitude to risk. Because obviously if you keep playing, you, you're, you're interfacing with risk a lot. Uh, and that risk then challenges who you are, challenges to, to, to find your edge. And I became very interested in, in that, finding the edge. Where is my edge? Uh, at what point does what I'm doing change me? At what point can I go beyond? And I was actually, I'll tell you a little story. I was on a yoga weekend once, and the yoga instructor had us in a particular kind of warrior position, and she said, okay, bend forward, bend forward, bend forward, and you know, you're about to fall over, you're on one leg, you're quite wobbly. And she said, find your edge, find the point where you think, you know, one more move and you're down. So we all obviously have different shapes, different sizes in the room. Everyone's edge is going to be different, which is a nice metaphor for life. So we all find our edges. And then when, when we found them, she said, now I want you to go another bit further over the edge and see how far you can go before you actually fall down. And everyone, of course, said to her, well, no, we'll fall. I'm at my edge. And she said, no, no, trust me, go. And actually she was right because the edge that you stop at, which you think here is your edge, guess what? When you actually push past it and are ready to fall and you actually are doing it because you're going to fall, you find that there was actually one more little bit that you could have gone before you fell. And in that exercise, mm. I think that's, that's what we need to do in life. Find your edge and then push past your edge. And guess what? You'll discover that in the confidence of failure uh, and accepting that you will fall, that there was an extra little bit that you could take from life. And that's a learning that you carry with you then into your life. That's so funny because I had the same experience in yoga where I was in a pose and I was like very new to yoga, very inflexible. Um, and I thought I was as far as I could go. And the teacher looked at me and she's like, Nicole, just let go. And I'm like, I'm as far as I can go. Do you not see the pain on my face? And she's like, just let go. And I, and when I finally took a deep breath in and just relaxed, I realized I actually could go deeper into the pose. And that's where it really dawned on me how much I was holding myself back in my entire life, like how much my mind tricked me into believing I had already reached my edge, like as you're saying. That applies, by the way, to your relationships with your family, with your parents, with your kids. It applies to your uh, your work, your career. It applies to your, your creative life, your intellectual life, your sex life, everything. It applies to everything. There's edges we create for ourselves and we think, and these are the boxes, by the way, that we live inside. We, we decide that's who I am in terms of my sex life. That's who I am in terms of my relationship with my mother. That's who I am in terms of my career. And you kind of box yourself in. And it's very, very silly because what you want to do is find your edge and spend a whole life then pushing the boundary, pushing the edge so out. Otherwise, the box is the same size all the time. 
Yeah. Now you talked about the opportunities that come your way, because when you talk about play, play is a very high frequency energy. Uh, We talk about frequency on the show and um, raising your vibration, which is basically um, changing your from being in fear based emotions, anger and things like that and moving more into a state of joy, a state of love. Those things are more high frequency. And when you can resonate in those frequencies, you tend to attract opportunities that resonate with that energy. And so when you talked about, you know, doing more playful things that you've never done before, you also open the door to new opportunities. I'm curious to know, were there any opportunities that really stood out that you would have never expected to have and you know were a result of you doing this experiment? Uh, Yeah, I think definitely. uh, Okay, let's, let's start with really simple ones. So we all have foods that we like and don't like and dislike. Um, and there, some of those things are learned behaviors. Some of those things you might have had a bad experience with in childhood and decide, oh, I don't like bananas or I don't like, you know, whatever. Uh, and obviously this year I'd spent, I, I ate a whole, whole host of new foods um, that I'd never had before because was, that was a challenge. You know, I'd never had snails before. I'd never had frog's legs before. I'd never, you know, so you kind of, I'd, 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 lots of mad stuff. But out of that came, of course, a, a revisiting of the stuff that I tend to dislike. But now I do like because actually I found out that that was kind of not true at all. And so little things, yeah, you definitely challenged. There was some sports I did and um, that I, again, there were some things I did and I would never do again because they were horrible experiences. And there was other things I did that I now do all the time. And so it's a case of there's, there's a lot. I mean, so I'm, I'm a rock climber now. I love climbing. Uh, it was one of those things that I did one day because I'd never tried rock climbing before. And instantly, literally, you know, after five seconds on the rock, I knew that this was for me, that I would always be a climber. And I would never have done that, I guess, unless I had done that experiment. Similarly, I went mountain running. I'm a runner. I'd never done mountain running. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea why they call that a sport. It's just torture. Um, so there was, yeah, there's, there's, there's some things that you kind of think, oh, okay. And, and you know, these things find you. And I thought, yeah, I do talk about attracting opportunities. But of course, you know, rock climbing was always there. And I had seen pictures and videos and other people doing it for years and years and years. I just never considered it myself. Until one day I thought, oh, I have to, I must do this now. And so it's kind of, it was just a way of looking at the world and saying, okay, there are opportunities all around you at all times. Um, and it's something that you should, uh, you should do and just challenge yourself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, certainly that the high energy vibrancy of play, I agree with you, I think. Uh, it definitely sets you in a different mood. And that's why after 100 days of kind of pushing boundaries, becomes a norm because maybe you get addicted to that vibrancy you get addicted to that energy that it gives you and there's definitely a, a, a an energy that, that you give off into the world because of your attitude and i noticed that the friends all around me watching the experiment themselves because i was in the beginning i was sharing it in social media i actually stopped doing that at some point and i'll tell you why in a moment um, but in the beginning when friends were watching all the various things i was doing they of course were feeding in other ideas and as i was putting up stuff saying all right this is what i'm going to do today a lot of people got magnetized into the experiment and they asked, oh, okay, so I was going off to the beach to do sand art. Oh, can we come to uh, that mountain run? Can I come to? Um, so other people kind of started to borrow and feed off that energy that you were giving out into the world and realized that, yeah, they were stuck in the routine too. And while they weren't taking part in the, the 100 or 265 day challenge, they wanted to do a little part of it. And I find that to this day, people who watch the TED Talk, I get you know, a couple of messages every week but a new person has watched it and has started the task and they, they, you know, they feed me little ideas and what they're doing. And a lot of them will comment on the fact that it has a ripple effect in that when they started, their friends and their family close to them also started or supported or kind of feed off it in a way. So I think it's a natural thing as people in your circle start to grow personally and have some fun with it, that that energy of play, mischief and risk 
kind of ripples out from that person to those around them. Did any of your friends, close friends, you know, inner circle family, did they not only feed off of that energy and, and, and find joy because you were finding joy, but did, did any people that you were close with, did they start doing it themselves? Like, wow, this is great. Yeah, I can feed off of Ken's energy, but I want to do this. Uh, at the time, no. Probably since then, uh, I think I was doing it. And this, I get back to my social media comment now. It was a, it was my own project. I didn't want to lose it and make it bigger and make it a community project, which I think it would have come at that point. Um, there wasn't anyone that said, "Oh, I want to do that." So I kept it quite private. It was it was the journal that I was keeping at home in my, in my own house. And yeah, there was some stuff on social media about it, so people knew I was doing it, and they were laughing at the various things I was doing. And at one point, I realized that the project had become less about me and more about them. I'd started to put stuff up on social media and I was falling down that trap of, of wanting and counting the likes. And I started, uh. I started finding myself choosing things to do that day that would look good on social media as, a, <laughs> as opposed to things to do that would, you know, that I should be doing and wanted to do myself. So that's when I canceled the social media account immediately and realized that this was thing that I was doing for me and not for anybody else. Um, so, uh, and that is a thing that, that, you know, we can talk about the, the role of social media in society in general, actually, you know, most people use their social media to self project an image of themselves that they want the world to see. Um, and of course we, we can often fall down that well quite quickly of becoming the social media person you want to be as opposed to the person mm. that you should be. Um, so yeah, but I think it was probably quite early in the experiment, I'd say around days 50, 60, that I stopped using social media and I just used a handwritten journal at home to, to document the things I was doing for myself. So I stopped kind of sharing them with the world and close friends. Obviously I, I was doing, I did lots of stuff that involved friends along the way, but it was more about my journey and my challenge as opposed to kind of trying to bring everyone along with me. Now, when the Ted talk happened and interestingly, that was something that just came about during that year. Again, you attract all these things and someone asked me to do the TED talk and I did it on that subject. And it was one of my new experiences that year to do a TED talk. And, uh, and so that because it now is a packaged kind of TED talk that you can watch, of course, now people do follow it and, and, um, and they, they watch it and it gives them the inspiration to do it themselves. So that happens a bit more now. Um, so yeah, I mean, but again, I became interested in that ripple effect for life then, because you realize that if certainly you, sometimes you do things and by doing them, you inspire other people. That was one of the key things that attracted me then to the motivational speaking industry where I'm now a professional speaker. So again, one of the businesses that came out of that year was that desire to use my skills of, of inspiration to motivate other people and to challenge them. So, um, you know, the things, the opportunities that came out of that, of that experiment were many and varied, including what I do now for a living, which is kind of interesting. Does it change like your children? Did they, it must have affected the way they approach life now watching you. It does hugely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they're age 12 and 10 now, and they were obviously eight and eight and six when the experiment happened. They still, I mean, even my six-year-old who's now 10 remembers the year that daddy went mad is what she called (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah they they remember doing new things every day they fueled a huge idea funnel as only kids can you know I mean I remember one day my my son he quickly learned that daddy would do anything you asked him to because he had to Um, so he sent me he sent me down grocery shopping in just a towel uh, completely naked to the local supermarket with just a towel. He thought that was hilarious. Um, so they they really learned that 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 sense of joy and fun because because kids naturally play, as I said, but adults don't. 
And when, when as an adult, you get down on the floor and you play with the kids, they always love that. Uh, and we stop doing that when the kids are around maybe five or six. We don't get down on our hands and knees anymore. We do it again in a more structured way where you go and you, you know, as you said, you do, you do little league with your kids or whatever. Whereas this way, they learned that actually adults can be crazy as well. Adults can do unexpected, crazy things. So we had a lot of fun. Um, and it was it was great to, for them to see that there's, there's a fun in every opportunity in life. I remember one day we had a, I think it was my daughter's idea to have a ketchup fight. So we went down to the local store. We bought four bottles of squeezy ketchup. And we just stood in the in the garden and we got into our swimming gear and we just sprayed each other with ketchup for you know ten minutes and it's random madness. But they they, they realized that life is like that now that you can do whatever you want, obviously within the rules of society. But there's there's lots of you know opportunity and it definitely affected them in their their own outlook on the world and it challenged as they're growing up. Obviously, they're getting fed lots of the kind of this is the way we do things stuff and already they would now. Think, yes that's the way we do things to obey we will obey what we need to obey but around the edge it's my life to color um so yeah definitely is a great learning for kids i'm sure you know for for you being an anthropologist you'll to, to be able to see them move into adulthood and how they handle things because of this seed that you planted will be will be a fascinating experience. it is yeah i mean this year now we, we just come back from family vacation and the the attitude to risk is really interesting in, in both of them. Um, obviously, they, they have different personalities and that would be natural anyway. But they both have an attitude to risk that is, well, I see it as very healthy, obviously, that, that they're willing to take risks that other people wouldn't be even at their age. So we, we were in a, in a water park and there was one of these massive free fall slides, 10 stories high. And, you know, one of these water slides that you basically are like a plank at the top and then you just tip and you go straight down. And it's kind of an adult only ride. Uh, and a lot of adults who walk up and end up turning around and coming back down when they do get to the top is just horribly frightening and both my 10 and 12 year old were up there like a shot and, and i was thinking okay this isn't going to work out i have to walk them down um and yeah not a problem i mean they just think okay look it's it's a risk it's obviously safe because it's here as a ride it's terrifying but i'm going to do it it's, it's really kind of push past your edge thing you know and that that's their attitude to life already is push past your edge um that is a really interesting point for them to i mean in a very adult point of view if you, if you will i mean for them to say well it's here for you know i mean they built it they had to get some sort of approval and prove that it's safe <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's where's the where's your edge yeah i mean that it's a fun conversation until they come home on crystal meth and say <laughs> well i was just <laughs> i was just pushing past my edge dad i was going to see what that was like oh uh, so, yeah. you reap what you sow. yeah exactly so i mean I and mean, there is that idea of look there there are opportunities in life there's lots of things to explore uh, and you know and the philosophy well what are the ones that we're allowed to explore versus not yeah i don't know let's, let's see what happens when they're older teenagers it's all fun and games now but like you said, risk is the heart of innovation and creativity and that, you know, we're all looking to be more creative and more innovative and, and to know that you can just plant that seed within yourself just by playing more. And Yeah, absolutely. But then there's opportunity in everything. So, uh, and in fact, I, as I said in the opener there, I'm in New Zealand today and I've got another performance in Sydney in, in a few days and I've got some days off in between. And it's too far to go all the way back to Ireland. So I'll just stay here for the five or six days and... Uh, I have a decision to make as to where to spend those time. And, and so uh, a few people here have been saying, oh, you should go to Fiji, you should go to Samoa. They're both beautiful islands. I have to choose between those two things. And and so I was researching online last night, which one I go to. And I thought, hang on, what am I doing? I mean, they're both, they both seem fantastic destinations. They both have positives and negatives. And so I thought, okay, what I'll do, I'll just turn up at the airport. And whichever one is on the next, the soonest flight I can get, I'll go to that one. 
And that's the attitude that I kind of try and I suppose teach people that you can over analyze stuff and you can kind of tie yourself up a knot sometimes with life decisions. And sometimes it's better off just making a decision and then living with it and just going and doing it. You know, it's it's kind of leap and grow your wings on the way down as opposed to getting everything. Nicole and I would say you're listening to your higher self. That point, yep. you're putting it in your higher self's hands. <laughs> Lisa and I were uh, we were talking about celebrating our first wedding anniversary, and where should we go? And we had some ideas, but you know, we weren't we weren't sure where it should be. So we said, okay, let's write on s- six pieces of paper, three each. We'll write you know these locations down, mm-hmm. and we'll put it in a hat, and we'll draw it out. And we, and we did that. We shook up the hat and then Lisa drew out one and I drew out one and we both drew out Hawaii. And then she said, and, and we were like, okay, great. And then a couple minutes later, she said, you know, I'm just curious. What, what are the other possibilities? So we put it all in there. We shook it up again. We both drew out Hawaii again the second <laughs> oh, time. Fantastic. Did you both write down Hawaii three times each? <laughs> no. <laughs> was the hat no, there just actually were there actually were other locations in the hat. Okay, and I presume you went to Hawaii. It's it's well the anniversary is next month, so it hasn't okay. happened yet. Excellent. Okay, we're all going. We're all coming as a surprise. We'll all be there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that that but definitely living your life. Uh, and again, some people the, the critics of this you. Leading that way is just so incredible for teaching people to um, to really go out there and seek what makes them happy because a lot of times we don't even know what makes us happy because we're not even willing to to try different things that we've never done before. And like you said, if you've never done it, how do you even know if you like it or not? Yeah. I know it's get- funny ever since – I'm sorry, ever since my divorce because I – had a fairly controlling husband and a pretty um, controlled life. I've had that attitude where I'm just like, yeah, you know, like what the fuck? I'll I'll try that. I'll try that. Like it's what what can it hurt? You know, I might yeah. find something yeah. that I'd love to do. That's it. And the, but the critics of the of the of the project and there are obviously there there are some of those too. And it's it's healthy to listen to why they it didn't work for them or why they they don't like it. Routine is also comfortable for some people. So you have to realize there are different personality types at play. Uh, and for some people, uh, being able to touch and do what they know and not step outside their comfort zones works for them in certain situations or in certain places in life. So I'm always interested. Like at self help seminars, uh, if I'm if I'm talking. The people in the room generally are all there because they want to change, and that's great. But there are other people who aren't in the room who have chosen not to come to a self-help seminar because they're perfectly content the way they are with the shape of their life, and that's all they want to achieve. And they don't want to grow their box. They don't want to find their edge. They don't, and that's okay. Uh, you know, I think the danger is when you try and push things and stuff down people's throats and say, no, you must get everything out of life. You must squeeze every last drop because there's also a mania in that. Uh, and you have to be certain that you're looking to expand your life for the right reasons, that you're not running away from stuff, or that you're not trying to cover uh, other issues in life over with just kind of uh, new activities and new friends. And, and so uh, I think for me, uh, it's important that you understand maybe why you're trying to do this. So you, if, if you're unhappy in your job, if you're, uh, you don't even have to be unhappy. If you just feel that you want more out of life, and if you feel that you are missing out on something maybe, or that just there is another way of doing things. That's when you want to look at this. Uh, so I, I just certainly don't uh, ever want people to think, oh God, you know, this guy is talking about time bending and I really should be doing more of my life. Everyone else seems to be doing better stuff. And 
uh, you know, it's, it's up to you to decide well, what areas of your life you want to expand in. For me, this is a nice way of doing lots of all sorts of different stuff and realizing there was some weaknesses in some parts of my life in terms of maybe creativity or in terms of uh, nutrition, aesthetics, play, uh, you know, so you can look at all different areas of your life and keep trying different things in different places. Uh, and then naturally you would gravitate to the things that you kind of uh, found grew you as a person and do more of that. And so definitely it's a, it's a way of kind of lifting your head from the, the humdrum societal uh, routines that we all fall into. And maybe it's just, you know, I was actually reading some of the comments of, uh, about your video and I came across one from someone that just said, you know, that sounds all well and good, but there's just, you know, there's no way I could do anything like that. You know, I get up at 530 in the morning, I work a 10 hour day, I'm not home till 7pm. And then I have to eat dinner by the time I'm done, it's eight o'clock, and I've got to get ready for work the next day. There's just, there's no room for me to try anything new. And, you know, it doesn't have, like you said, it doesn't have to be a, a big thing. It could just be ordering something different at a restaurant or bringing something different for lunch or maybe wearing a different type of clothing or trying a different food, something that doesn't actually add more time to your day. Like this time bending thing, you know, I think shouldn't be confused with you have to add more tasks to your yes, day. Absolutely. And I, I, wouldn't, I didn't reply to that person with the kind of point I would like to have made, but the point I would have liked to have said to that person is, you're actually the exact type of person that needs to do this experiment because the kind of you're people, your only limit yeah you're limiting yourself and uh, and you know that that point about uh, i think i remember that comment uh, you know I'm driving x amount of hours a day but there's a huge amount of time for you to to spend that you're probably wasting that time just by driving in the car listening to you know you could be doing all sorts of education stuff you could, i mean you could learn a new language on the way to work every single day uh, over the course of a few weeks you could you know there's so many things you could do with the same time that you have it's just about tilting the axis and deciding okay there's another way here of looking at this issue and yeah well i could i could use all that car time for a whole load of things i could make phone calls from my car with friends i haven't spoken to for ages i could uh, you know you could do all so i could i could um transcribe a novel while I'm driving to work. I could, yeah, you could do all sorts of things. Um, so it, it is an experiment for everybody. And it is definitely a challenge to everybody to, to push through um, and to, to, to kind of step up and challenge yourself, I guess. And, and one of the things I did, I think, at the, uh, at the conference that you were at yourselves, Brian and Lisa, I, I use board breaking a lot in that particular yeah. speech. Because I always like the metaphor of breaking boards with your bare hands because people kind of look at it and they go, I can't do that. And the reality is everybody can break a board. It really is a mental thing. Uh, as long as you have some element of power in your arms, everyone can do it. Um, but most people look at it and they get frightened and they get scared. And, and unless you break the board and you follow through, it doesn't break. So you really have to go kind of one inch below the board in terms of the power that you're delivering to the board to break it in two. And most people kind of, if they're a little scared, they hit the board and they hit it hard, but they don't follow through. And that's the same thing in, in life. You have to kind of, it's, not, it's about finding that edge again. It's pushing past the edges, following right through. It's committing. So if you're going to jump from rock A to rock B and there's a big gap in the middle, you know, there's no half jump here and you're going to fall to your death. So you trust me, you jump and you jump all the way through. You follow through and you go way further than you even thought you could because you have to. There's a, there's, and the same thing, if you're going to jump from a, a, you know, a building to another building like they do in the movies, you know, you're not going to screw that up. You're going to do it because um, otherwise you die. So the same thing with, with, I think, the attitude to risk is you just have to follow through. You have to commit to stuff. And you have to say, okay, I'm doing this. Uh, and, and that's why things like skydives and bungee jumps and things are actually quite good for personal development in that it just makes you, you're standing at the edge. I do a lot of this kind of stuff just for the adrenaline rush. And 
there comes a point, no matter how many times you've done a bungee before, no matter how many skydives you've done, there's always that moment where you're standing at the edge of a building or the edge of a plane and you're thinking, what am I doing? And even though you know it's safe, you know hundreds of people have done it before you, and, and but you're still about to base jump off a building and you're thinking like, oh my God. Uh, and it's, you know, and the one second as you go over, the minute you do it, it's great fun and it's fun, but the, it's that one little second of pushing yourself over the edge and your, your, your body physically is telling you not to do it because it's trying to keep you alive. And um, so all the hormones are racing around your body saying, this is not safe. But your brain, of course, is saying, no, it's okay. I have a harness and I have a bungee cord. But um, I like that bit, that part, because that part is, again, teaching you, look, just leap, leap, and, and it'll be fine. Just commit, commit to doing it. And I think if we all spend a bit more time committing to doing the things that make us a little bit uncomfortable, we'd all experience a huge amount of personal growth. Well, there's you no... Know, we talk Go ahead, Nicole. I was going to say, there's we. They always say that there's no growth in the comfort zone. Um, all the growth happens outside of it, and it's because we're challenging ourselves. And that commenter that you talked about, Lisa, is a perfect example about how Ken, when you were in that yoga class, and when I was in my yoga class, and realized that we impose our own limits on ourselves, and we believe that that's as far as we can go. And that person is definitely living within their own self-imposed limits. And it's, it's really wild to see people break through those limits, see the, the expression on their face or feel that expression when they realize that they could actually do more. And I think that that's just something that a lot of people don't realize is how much they're capable of, that they're capable of so much more and it doesn't necessarily take more energy from them. It just takes a matter of shifting the mind to see things in a different way. And if we just shift our perception, then everything about our life can change. Well, I, I, I tell you what, the, the good news, Ken, is that even though you didn't have a chance to respond to that commenter, uh, Lisa did. <laughs> she, she went ahead and said, you're your own limit. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot on, on, on this podcast as well about programming and, and how much we've been programmed, like the examples that you gave, Ken, about just simply, you know, no, you don't play a guitar like this and no, you don't play the game like this, Um, you know, to, to school and our parents and everyone. And we're we're limited by all of this programming and and the reality is is we have the power and it's just once you realize that you you're living inside this box of programming that's been set for you and that nothing is stopping you from stepping outside of it except yourself i mean i just love that because it makes me feel so empowered like i can do anything i can try anything i don't have to follow the rules like this is my life and I get to, to do what I want. And all these rules that I was taught, you know, as a kid actually don't apply. <laughs> I was fooled, mm. you know, and it's just like this awakening that you have like, wow, like life is scrumptious and there's so much more there in front of us that we take for granted. You know, another example that I just love in, in your, um, in your Ted talk speech about this is, what you do with your hotel rooms, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and our audience, you know, I, I definitely encourage you to watch the Ted talk, but you know, you're just saying, don't take for granted what you have and, and think you can only do so much with it, you know, expand your creativity in your mind and say, I could do something different, but 
you know, Ken has this regular bed sitting in his hotel room and he decides he's going to pull the mattress off and pull the frame, you know, apart and, and stack it in a different way and make it look like a little kid's fort. Yeah, it was great fun. And, and I just think that that's, it's just I amazing. That, that, became, like that, just, that was one thing I did just for fun one day because it was playful. And uh, I think I've been talking to someone about kids forts. I can't remember why I did it. But there was, yes, yeah, so there was two single beds and I just turned them on their edges, used the mattresses as roofs. And I, I slept like that that night. It was quite funny. Um, and another time I decorated my old hotel room uh, with Halloween decorations because it was around Halloween. I kind of thought to myself, it's funny because we decorate our houses, but how come you don't decorate your hotel room? Because I was living in the, I was living in that hotel room for two days. And it was around that time, so I thought, well, why not? So I decorated the whole thing, and and that was kind of a metaphor for you know life gives you things in certain ways, and society gives you certain rules, and we all kind of just naturally take what we're given and use it the way it's been given to us. Whereas you can often challenge that and think, well, hang on, maybe I'll just do it a whole different way. And I'd love to have seen the face in the poor room service people, our room crew when they came to change the room and saw the beds dressed as a fort um but you know i think it's a case of just challenging stuff and becoming yeah i I remember hearing a great story of the the actor robin williams one of my favorite actors i still miss him and um he was when he was auditioning for the part of mork in mork and mindy you remember that 1980s that Mm -hmm. kind of made him uh, and he walked into the room to audition and he was said that he was told to take the chair and uh, he just picked it up and he walked out the room with it. And you said take the chair. And then uh, he, he was asked to, 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 to sit in the chair and he sat on it, but he sat on his, on, on his hunkers, on his, on his feet. And his point was, you know, if, if I was an alien, I wouldn't know how to sit in a chair. Uh, you know, these are right, and that became a part of the show. Yeah, actually, and, and, I mean, so he got the part immediately on that basis that he had a mind that looked at at what you were given and immediately challenged the status quo. And um, and some people are naturally like that. I, I think artists and people who are naturally creative um, automatically look at the world and sometimes see it in a different way. And, and actually, they have difficulty fitting into society in some some ways because of that creativity. It's why we lose a lot of artists quite young. I think to suicide and all sorts of other reasons. They look at the world and society demands certain things of certain people and if you live outside that you kind of feel that you don't fit in and i think certain brains are i think you have to be a bit mannequin crazy to be a creative actually sometimes and the best music and art has been made by people who are certainly kind of outside of societal norms so the question for you as a normal as a normal person if you like in in inverted commas is how you can kind of become a little bit more uh, challenging to the status quo in your everyday life and instead of looking at things as a problem, looking at them as opportunities. And that's why, again, new businesses grew out of it for me. And for everyone listening, if you start risk- taking risks and challenging and playing and, and pushing boundaries, what you find, of course, is that you do start to challenge the status quo in some things in your life. It might be your relationships, it might be your your um, your career, it might be in just the way you approach your financial planning. It, might, it could be anything. Um, and you start to actually wonder about the status quo and wonder about, well, hang on is this really what I want? Is this really the way it should be? And you start thinking about stuff. And they're all really healthy thoughts. Or am I doing this because I believe I should do it this yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or am I doing this because I feel that, that the society is demanding of it or my friends are demanding me of it? Or Yeah, you, de- you definitely challenge yourself in terms of um, you know different directions. I'm curious, uh, Ken, was there anything that you did 
that your wife was like, yeah, you're never doing that again. Yeah. Well, actually, one of the uh, people often ask me, was there negative consequences to your experiment? Um, and there are certainly things that were, were dangerous um, that I probably shouldn't have done. Uh, my wife is now my ex-wife, which is always a really interesting story as well, because uh, about a year after, I mean, this is one of the things where I, I speak about quite openly, that, that the experiment does change who you are. And it changed my outlook in terms of my relationship. And I don't, I'm not saying it caused the divorce, but it certainly was a factor, I think, in it, in terms of me looking at uh, where our relationship was and how it was going. And we started conversations on the back of that and, and that eventually led to the, to the breakup of the, of the relationship, um, which is obviously horrendously sad, but still the correct thing to do. And um, so it does challenge, as I said, you know, the, the status quo of the relationships that you had. We, we had been college sweethearts and we had been together for a very long time. And I suppose one, one of the side effects of that experiment was stepping back and evaluating where you were in various parts of your life. Um, so there were certainly things, uh, I don't think there was anything I did in the experiment that nearly killed me. Um, I think flyboarding was one of them, you know, that, that mad sport where you, it's like a skateboard on water and you're, you're hovering above the water. I, I did nearly die doing that a few times. Um, so there were things that I did that I wouldn't do again. Um, but you would be a fool to think that by rewiring yourself that you're not going to challenge the status quo and lots of stuff. And there's good and bad of that. So for me, there was one, certainly that was the worst thing that happened because of, not because of the experiment, but certainly I think it was a factor, the, the divorce. I think other things would happen in terms of positivity with relationships. Uh, I, I made a lot of new friends and sought uh, other different types of friends and caught other friends loose that looking back at it were kind of situational or geographic friends that I'd held on to that really the friendships had died a long time ago and we were just supporting it with past memories and so you do start to look at all those things and, and look at status quo and think okay uh, is there other ways of doing stuff and yes there is and so you make changes in your life and change is good you know and sometimes you need to do these things to be a change catalyst you need some way to kind of shake you up and challenge where you are and where you're going well that happens a lot we talk about that on our show a lot about when you start, um, like we, we talk a lot about the spiritual journey and self-awareness and um, kind of waking up to who you truly are. And when you start to work on yourself and you start to understand yourself more, it, it changes you and you start to realize that you are not necessarily liking all the things that you used to like and maybe liking things that you never used to like. And it's affecting, like you said, some of your relationships, whether it's family members, friends, coworkers, all of a sudden where you never had road bumps or like um, discord, there may be discord and it's not because anyone's doing anything wrong, but it's just people aren't matching up anymore in the same way. And that's just one of the, the realities of growth as a person. I think so. Uh, I think, I mean, personal growth is a really interesting uh idea i think people some people are scared but i think i think the minute there's the safety in that comfort zone people get scared of personal growth because it has consequence personal growth always has consequence because if you change who you are understandably the things around you have to change too um i became very interested in in, in creativity in terms of creating something from nothing um so again i would do this a lot with people uh, in, in my seminars and the idea that that it's your it's kind of your duty to create something from nothing otherwise what's the purpose of life so um you know even if it's singing in the shower in, in you know creating music into the silence 
creating uh, laughter, making people smile. I got, you know, lots of acts of random kindness I did during the year. Uh, just you know, silly things, paying the toll for the car behind you, and going to a bookstore and buying a book and telling them that you know the next third person who bought a book had to get this book free, and you would inscribe something in this. And just the idea that you could play with the world, uh, and that you can give something back, and you can create joy from nothing. So I remember I went to Starbucks and I bought the next twenty people coffee, and I did it privately, put the money behind the counter, and just watched them as they each got their free coffee. And I remember thinking quite sad because the the, the cynicism and the suspicion is really strong when you do something that's out of the ordinary and people think they get a bit freaked out by it you know and they think like what someone's just done something nice for me for no reason and they kind of they really really throws them which kind of shows you how, how sad and bad we've got in humanity um and even sure. if you push to me so these days if i ever get ice cream if i'm ever, if ever, ever out with my kids and we go to an ice cream shop and you know there's a 400 different flavors and, and all the flavors are mad stuff and so i in the beginning, I would always choose a mad flavor, but again, eventually, I'd started just making the person serving choose my flavor because surprise is also a great way to live your life. Random surprise because it doesn't actually matter which ice cream I get. So uh, this way, you kind of push the responsibility onto someone else, and it freaks them out. You know, you say to them, oh, "Give me, a, give me whatever is your favorite ice cream, or give me a surprise," and they look at you because they don't want to get it wrong, and they think, "Well, what do you like?" I say, oh, "I'm not. It doesn't matter. Just you know, surprise me." And I suddenly did. I do that a lot when we go out to when we go out to eat. I'll ask the the person taking our order to choose. Yeah, and, to and choose it, it really freaks people out. And they think like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, and even in, in the little surprise part, it's only ice cream, and you say, you know, surprise me. Um, and if you give people, we did that at a play. They get scared. We did that at a deli recently, and the guy wouldn't didn't want to yeah. do it. He was, he was, he just kept saying, well. This is what other people like, yeah. and this is what's most popular. In fact, I looked at him, and because Brian had said it, no, I want you just pick me your favorite thing, and and then I found I said he's serious. He really just wants you to pick your favorite thing, and he's going to yeah. love it. Like he's not going to blame you if he hates yeah. it. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, I really get to pick my thing and then he kind of got it seemed like he was a little excited yeah, about then, it, <laughs> that's, that's it. Once, once people kind of start to play with it then they think oh that's kind of fun i'll do that so cool um so it is yeah i think it's 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 just a way of playing with the world and playing with situations and i mean if we want to talk about spirituality then i guess it's about getting to know yourself a little bit isn't it it's about to say well you know who do i want to be and maybe uh, maybe you don't have to be unhappy with the person you are to do this you just need to be a bit aware of the person that you could be more, you know, you, you, there is more in there to be bled out of life. And really it's just a case of you standing up and saying, do you know what? I'm going to have, a, I'm going to take a bit more today. I'm going to, um, or even, or even just being happy with, with where you are. I mean, I just, I, I love every day and I'm happy with, with what every day brings. And, somebody picking something for me that wasn't great is, is not going to, you know, ruin my day. And I'm, you know, it's so being at a place where you're comfortable with that is, is also a big, a big part of it. So, I mean, that, I guess ultimately you're just, you're just comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And also, but also negative experiences teach you things too. So I think, I think if you try and surround your day and your life with all this positivity, it becomes somewhat false and you're not living a true life. So I think, this experiment also teaches you to do things that you might even know you're not going to like, but you're going to do them anyway. So negative experiences to do with pain and to do with pushing boundaries. I mean, I did some stuff, even some of the rock climbing I did was uncomfortable. I've taken some bad falls. 
uh, and you still do it because you think, well, you know, I've I learned those. And even I remember eating one of those toxic sweets that my children gave me, you know, those things that you used to eat as a kid. For some reason, you can eat those weird stuff as a kid, but when you have them as an adult, it really kills you. So I remember like eating this, this sour, you know, these sour, sour, oh, just sour things. That, you know. <laughs> and I remember you know, we made videos of our faces as we were doing it. And it was a horrible experience, but great fun to watch the video. And you realize that even in negative experiences, there's laughter and there's, and, and I do really believe that there's no such thing as a bad experience. It's, it's a good experience and a good story. You know, that's what comes out of it. So even when things are bad. Well, how interesting. That was actually two experiences. You had the experience of the sour candy and it was, it just made you pucker and it makes me pucker right now. But then you had a separate experience filled with joy watching a video of it and yeah, laughing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, one of the things, going back to the, your question earlier on about my children and how it affected them with the experiment, uh, during that year, of course, there was lots of play and lots of pranking. And that's something that they, they, they've kept on to the pranking. We call it prank wars. And so myself and my children uh, have continuous prank wars with each other. And so all, you know, all sorts of mad stuff. And so you're not safe anywhere in our house at any given time. Uh, and and anyone <laughs> anyone can do anything and so you're, you're you're in the middle of eating a sandwich and suddenly the kids are like doubled over and you think what what have you done what have you done uh so you know and some of these pranks are played out like days ahead and my kids have got very good at it they put they put vinegar in my bottled water and it took me three days to drink the water in the car and they just patiently waited until i had a sip you know and um, so i think that kind of joy uh, and being goes back to creating something from nothing creating laughter and and mischief out of just an otherwise otherwise normal situation people who visit our house kind of don't really get it sometimes because it can be quite cutting and cruel that some of the prank war stuff but and they're only 10 and 12 so it's, it's lights up but as they get older it's getting worse they're getting braver um so you know that that, that <laughs> kind of interaction is is, is good fun because there's, again there's laughter and mirth in, in everything in life you know it's that laughter at a funeral at a funeral it's moment impressive. you know there is there is really there's, there's there's fun to be had in every opportunity every, every every moment in life it just takes your uh, your focus to kind of look look for the play you know it takes the mundaneness out of your life for sure and it gives you a whole new perspective on life every day is fun every day is an adventure every day you know you don't know what could happen what's around the next corner and you know, we plan vacations because we want to go places maybe that we've never been before. We want that adventure. We want that newness. But you can have that in your own life every day just by doing some of the things yeah, that you've suggested. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, and, and there's times, of course, when my children have overstepped the mark. And I remember one day my, my son filled my brand new Converse that I just bought with mashed banana because he'd seen it in, the, in, a, in a comic or something, you know. <laughs> and I remember I looked at it and thought, what have you done? And and it, that would be the moment that you should have got very angry as a parent. Or And, and I looked at it and I just started laughing because it was just so insane to have taken brand new shoes and filled them with mashed banana. And he didn't do it out of malice. He just thought it was very, very funny. And, and looking back at it, like if it was someone else's shoes, just the way you've done there, you laugh because you think that's as funny. He's, he's filled your shoes with mashed banana. And if it had happened to anyone else's shoes, I'd have laughed. But just because it was mine, I wasn't supposed to laugh. So the anger lasts about half a second. And I just started laughing, thinking, "Oh, you're, you know." That's um, a really so it, it is, you know, funny. And and guess what? Well, I cleaned the shoes, and you know what? They were fine. So like, it's a case of you can beat yourself up about all these things, or even worst case scenario, the shoes were ruined forever. Okay, it would cost me a hundred dollars to replace them, but the joy he had got out of filling them with mashed banana was was probably worth a hundred dollars. You know. 
And to take it all the way back um, full circles, like when you go back to that image of you, like, you know, before you go to the light and you get to be in this room and you see all these Polaroids of your life and a lot of them are black because you didn't do anything different. Those memories of like the bananas in the shoes and all that, those are the things you really do remember when you reflect back on life or those are the things that make you smile or it's just it really changes the whole way that you've lived your life and yeah, the way you remember it. And I think, I think it's great. Yeah. Those new, those new shoes would have been a black Polaroid because it was just the first day of a new shoe. That's pedantic. But now it's the first day of new shoes with mashed banana. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, that. going back to negative experiences being stories, we, we moved house recently and we were packing up all the kids stuff and, you know, throwing out loads of stuff because they're older now and all their old toys, they're not relevant anymore. We were in my son's bedroom and he found this stretchy man, you know, these kind of little little action figure, but all the arms and the legs stretch in all sorts of different ways. And so that was going into the charity box. And, and he said, oh, but let's, let's have one last stretch of it before we throw it in there. So he pulled the arms, I pulled the legs, and we were going to see how far it could stretch. And about halfway through it, he let the arms go and he just shouted, Frank War. And it, it came flying back at me and hit me square on the testicles. And it was, it was, it was, it was like full on, like it was stretched by about three meters at this stage. And it was like being punched. It was like being kicked or punched in the testicles by, I don't know, a silverback gorilla. It was like full on. And I, I went, I folded, I folded like a sack of potatoes. I, I probably, I've got, I probably coughed up my lungs. I don't, it was, it was savage. And I couldn't breathe for about 30 seconds. And like, obviously my son got very upset. Oh my God, what am I doing? I eventually could catch my voice. <clears throat> and when I recovered, when I re- when I recovered, <laughs> the first thing I we, he he went to put it into the charity box, and I said, "Oh, Dan," I said, "Put I said put that in the memory box." We were you know we were making memory boxes for the attic, and that 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 stretchy man has got into the memory box, and you know no one will ever forget the last day mm-hmm. that I was packing up uh, when when <laughs> when Dad got floored <laughs> by the stretchy man. So again, even negative experiences, you know, it, it, you you choose how you react to those experiences, of course. Uh, I could have, you know, shouted and screamed, and I could have been angry at him. Come on, it was an accident. It was, uh, and so, it, you know, even negative things can become positive experiences, and definitely memories. So, yeah, the role here to bring it full circle is to, is to God forbid, when you die, and I hope it's a long, long way for us all. Uh, when you're walking that warehouse of pictures, that there's a picture in every photo, that every day you didn't let a day slip by. And um, one of the things I like to do at, at personal development seminars, the crew, is to ask the person their age. And get them get their, get them to take their phone out uh, and you can do it now anyone, anyone who's listening can do this get your age out work out the average life expectancy in the country that you live in and minus those two things from each other so that gives you the remaining years you have and then multiply that up by the by the days weeks and eventually you get your figure in hours or you get your figure in days depending on what you want i usually do days and um, and that's a six figure it's, a, it's usually a, a six six digit number and i get people to write it on their arm like a tattoo and that's it that's a countdown clock on your arm every single day that you've got left. Uh, and, you know, it's a powerful number because you're looking at it all day and, and you know, and that every every hour to be lower, every day to be lower. Uh, and it only lasts a few days in viral, but, you know, it's enough to shock people into, you know what, you're, you're on a countdown. You have one life. Uh, it is. It's and it's, it, it, this isn't a game where you get another quarter to put into the machine when the game's over. This is it. This is it. This, it's not a dress rehearsal. Right. Um, and so really, it's, it's your kind of responsibility to fill all those pictures with memories and, and, pushing boundaries is a way of making sure that there is something on those photographs. And then when you're whatever, 96 walking along that, those rows of pictures, hopefully you'll have a smile on your face thinking, you know what, that was a life that I lived. That was a life that was full of opportunity. And I took every opportunity that came my way and I tried everything 
and I, I, I laughed and I cried and I, I played and I took risks and I created uh, and I didn't just do what I was told every morning and go to bed every evening. Yeah. You didn't play exactly. it I didn't safe. play it safe. Perfect. It's an oxymoron, isn't it? Like play should never be safe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Well, thanks so much for being yeah. on the show, uh, Ken. And thanks so much for taking the time out of your day and um, being on the other side of the world, literally the other hemisphere below the equator. Like you're literally as I far am, as you could I possibly be. My next thing on my list soon out today is I'm going to shoot a TV show in, in Auckland uh, for some magazine TV show, which is again, is a new experience. So see, packing my day full of fun. So I now get to, to walk down the streets in Auckland as a kind of roving reporter for retail in Auckland, apparently. So ah, I, I honestly, I don't even know what they want. So let's turn up and see what happens. Yeah, that's the plan. Have fun. No, no, it was great to talk thank to you. you so really much. enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. And to all of our listeners, we're going to actually leave his TED Talk in the description. So if you want to watch Ken's TED Talk, we'll leave that in the description below. And uh, if you guys uh, have any uh, questions or uh, show topics you want to ask us about, you can send them into our email info at enlightenup.us. Thanks so much, Ken, for being on the show. You were a pleasure to have on. It was a pleasure to chat. Thank you. Thank you.